0: Good evening. Glad you all could make it. <laughs> it's a joke, I know you're a captive audience. But <laughs> anyway, um hope it's rather to be captive by me than by your minds, I think. It's probably better. <laughs> but anyway, I'm excited about being here. Um some reason I'm a little bit nervous about giving talks here and and I've realized that this is not my normal domain I don't teach here that much but it's more to that because this place means a lot to me and I feel really strongly about about uh, the practice and about being able to give back to this place what I've gotten over the last 30 years or so and um, so the title of the talk is the flow of your life is your practice. And so, what do I mean by flow? How many people know what I mean when I say flow? That means you know you get into this particular state of mind where everything is happening, uh, everything is effortless. Uh, at all this time, uh, a lot of things happen. Uh, it's like things are happening without your you having to do anything. It's like it's effortless and there's there's no self consciousness. So that's probably the closest we'll get to this. Uh, getting beyond the illusion of separateness you know we call it no self in this in this tradition but I prefer the illusion of separateness and when you're in flow you're not there I don't know where you are but you're not there and that's a good thing (laughs) and so um so just talk about flow a little bit maybe that will help and then we can go into the practice so I've been uh I've been working as a sports psychologist and a personal organizational development consultant for a long time. And I've been talking about flow for years. And now science is catching up to all of these things that I had to have faith in. And now, you know, they have all of these, um, these ideas about what flow means. And so it's interesting because the key, a big key of uh, the, what we call the... the um, the growth mindset is that, that it, it it says, it doesn't say we have Buddha nature, although we do have Buddha nature, Christ consciousness or whatever. But what it says is, is it's the viewpoint that we can learn anything and that our intelligence is not stuck. And around here we talk about uh, doing um, purification, the path of purification, which is the foundations of mindfulness. And we talk about how that can get us to get clarity and, and purity so that we're performing um, from, from a, a, a non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion mindset. And it's interesting because uh, Narayan and I were talking a little bit, there's a book by Bhikkhu B- 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 Bodhi called the, the, the Noble Eightfold Path. And in that book, uh, I was reading, I've been reading that book for 30 years. <laughs> and one day I'm reading that book, and it comes across, I see the word performance. I said, Whoa, I didn't know that was in there. Because, you know, I'm known as a performance whisperer, just in case you didn't know that. Um, uh, and, and what it says in the, in the book, it talks about um, when we do the precepts, you know, it talks about abstaining from. So it's stated negatively, or but it really comes down to abandoning unwholesomeness or unwholesome mind states. And to perform is, is to make a commitment to wholesome mind states or wholesome actions. So that actually is, it says performance. That's what they call it, performance. And so the idea of, of when you're in flow, you're actually performing at a high level. And, and it's, I'll talk about the ingredients of it because it's not something you can get into. Because a lot of people, uh, when you try to get in the flow, you won't. Sound familiar? It's like when you try to relax, you don't. Uh, so the idea is to understand it. well, what are the triggers or, or, or what is the process of flow? And so flow is something that happens when we have clear goals and clarity is emphasized. Because the more clarity you have and the more your, your intention, of course, you have to have the right mindset or you have to have the right view. And in my mind, I'm talking about right view simplistically, like right view being are mindful of generosity, loving kindness, compassion, uh, wisdom, the opposite of greed, hatred, and confusion or illusion. There has to be clarity of mind. So when we're clear, we have clear goals. And then it's interesting because it's not just the clear goals, it's the goals and then as you move towards the goals, you have to have immediate feedback. And to the degree that you can close that loop between the goal and immediate feedback, you, you get into what we call, um, you get into to the flow state, or you're close to the flow state. But in order to get into the flow, flow state, you have to have clear goals, immediate feedback, and that means adapting to things as they are in, in the moment. And then once that happens, you have to be challenged a little bit beyond your skill level. And I knew that before, but now the research says it only has to be 4%. <laughs> this challenge a little bit four percent, and and so and I and I and we talk about it all the time because if you get challenged too much, then you get overwhelmed with stress, and we knew, we know how that works, right? And so Joseph Campbell in his, his um, a documentary, "The Power of Myth." He talks about a, a athlete when it's athletes in championship form that they're coming from a quiet place. And unless you 're coming from that quiet place, you get overcome by greed or ill will, and so it 's only when we get to come out of that space and you we get in that space because we practice, we practice we practice, and it's repetition and error correction and so when you 're in flow or when you 're when, when we 're doing things like if you're because i 'm in flow a lot because i I study this and I challenge myself a lot, but what happens is as you're doing things and you're getting feedback, when you make a mistake, you can't contemplate that one. You have to be able to make the mistake and keep going. So I don't know how many of you are musicians, but if you're a musician and you're playing a note, you play the wrong note, you don't say, Don, stop. You just cover that up. (laughs) You cover that up, you go to the next, next note, and nobody knows except for other musicians. And it's the same thing in life. It's like when you make a mistake, you've got to be able to say, oh, that's interesting, and keep moving. <laughs> so I call it Be Like Water. So it's like improv. So whatever is presented, okay, there's a crisis, there's something happens, there's an impediment. The idea is to say, oh, okay, I can handle that, and, and just say, okay, what am I going to do? And in the moment, without missing a beat, when we can get that, and then what we know now is if we can... Um, put things in bite-sized chunks. You know, we talk about a moment, and see, when you're in, in flow, that means you've been in a moment for an extended period of time where each moment is setting up the next moment, and you're just flowing. Things are flowing. It's like, uh, you know, you're, um, I use the example of driving a car in Massachusetts, so Mass Ave is one of the longest streets. So it's like going down Mass Ave, and you hit every red green light. You don't stop. You just keep flowing. <laughs> now you know that that 's a flow trick there, right? <laughs> so So this idea of flow, or this idea of being seamless, not having any difference between your practice and your life and for some of us like myself, because when I first came around here, I used to do a lot of sitting. I lived at the Cambridge Center, did three months retreat a lot of 10 days so always it was interesting because when we looked at the um the interview sheets i have people have days and i said i have no idea how many days i've been here but it's been a lot you know over the years right and, and so so the idea is just to realize that um that i my my practice changed and, be, and because in those days I didn't really teach in places like this. I had to go where people lived, so I made house calls, if you will, and you know I went to jail, the Yale locker rooms, the boardrooms, all over the place. And that was my role at the Cambridge Center. When they would get a request, I would go out and teach mindfulness. So I had to adopt and adopt a way of being where I knew the people that I was working with would not be able to sit for extended periods of time, and so I had to make. Uh, their practice, their life, their practice is the other way, but I brought the practice into it and simple things like um, teaching them how to uh, use right effort teaching them how to uh, just direct attention and be able to sustain it just really simple things but a lot of it was had to do with getting their minds right or, or talking about right view talking about uh, right effort and so I don't know if I need to say any more about about the flow but oh yeah I, th- I think I want to talk about flow just a little bit I'll go back to that so when you when you get into flow uh you actually get to a point where where when you get it um let me see if I want to find the part here so in other words what happens is when you get out of your comfort zone and when you challenge yourself in that four percent what it does it it um it causes you to get in a high state of arousal, so you actually uh, it actually releases like um, they call it nitric oxide. It's like the puff, and then from that you get dopamine. You know what that is? It's so like dope, right? And <laughs> endorphin, and uh, and it actually helps helps us to to, to concentrate and focus. And because um, we get locked into the present. Uh, we don't get overwhelmed by uncertainty because when we're, we know this, when, when we can sustain attention, there, there's a confidence there. And so uh, there's, there's just a lot that we, we're just now finding out. Like I said, we're getting the research that's proven what I've already known is that this process of putting things in chunks, by side chunks, and then actually, because around here we don't like to um, talk about performance or talk about um, you know, um, evaluating our, our our progress because we have so much ambition, and, and that stuff can get in the way. But in actuality, in my mind, in my experience, because I work with people and because of my own practice, I have to evaluate. You know, how how is my practice going? And it's interesting because Larry Rosenberg, my first teacher, told me that you can tell how your practice is going by the growth of the five spiritual powers. So. Uh, we don't, I'll just mention them so one of them is trust and it's interesting because I wrote down here before you can do anything you have to make a decision about whether or not this is a friendly or unfriendly universe according to uh, Albert Einstein and if you see it as a friendly universe which we do around here that means there's a lawfulness that means you know that you just have to align yourself with how things are And that you will use all your resources to align with how things are. And that's what we're doing around here is is we're we're saying, okay, we want we want to be with things as they are. And it's an alignment with um, divinity or with divine principles that help us have the power and the ability to create these wholesome mind states so that we can actually be effective at what we're doing. We can actually see clearly and we can develop um, wholesome mind states. And so. It's another way of saying that, you know, right view is, like I said, right view is having a view with non-greed, not hatred and non-delusion. So it could be any of the other things. It could be generosity. It could be love and kindness. It could be compassion. Definitely wisdom is one of those. But it's really understanding that the mindset is, or the mind state, is, is the whole thing. And so when we, when we learn, so when I work with people, they don't know all of the, the Dhammic phrases and everything, but they do know that they have to have positive genius or they have to figure out how to uh, change an unwholesome mind into a wholesome mind. And that in the process of practicing and making mistakes, there has to be this ability to correct and to see things without being critical. You know, so it's an uncritical observation of of how you're reacting to something. And then then you program and you work backwards, like, okay, based on how I'm behaving, what was my mindset? What was I thinking? uh, What was I doing? And I need to change something. And so this whole idea of flow, I say that the work that I do with mindfulness or people use the word mindfulness, but I'm talking about the whole threefold, you know, the the. the, Uh, wisdom morality and mental discipline i'm talking about all three of those and so when we use those in a way we actually create space between stimulus and response and in that space we can choose and it's amazing because in sports you can see it because we have a beginning middle and end but when when we get into that space when we can slow down uh, perception when we can just have that Mood of wonder and let things speak to us. We have more space in that perceptual process, and it slows things down. So you can have people with like two seconds seems like an eternity. Of course, at the opposite, when you don't have any space, it's like it's too long. We're just going to (laughs) end. So it's it's understanding that that this stuff makes you flow ready, makes you flow ready because you can't be in flow and once you get in flow it becomes old and then you have to increase your challenges so it's like this step function that has to happen. So this idea of flow, this idea of relating to experience by clearly knowing what we're doing and what the goals are understanding and being willing to be vulnerable and hear the feedback and then make you know and then make the adjustments but realize that we're not going to get in flow if we're just chilling. If your practice is okay, nothing, if, we're not in a high, if we don't get the high state of arousal, if we're not out of our comfort zone, we're not going to grow, or we're not going to have access to it, because you've got to be in a high state of arousal, and then if you keep the equanimity and the mindfulness and the steadiness of mind, then we get into flow. And so it, it's interesting, because if you, don't, if you ain't struggling, you've got no shot at, stro- at flow. None. None. No shot at flow. And I don't mean like struggling like um, too much but I mean struggling where you're out of your comfort zone and you know that, you know, and then you get locked in because a sense of urgency allows us to really be, be locked in and, and to really, uh, uh, really be honest about what we're seeing so you can see why it's important to be able to, to have mindfulness or just see what's there because if you're not real with what's there, if you're not honest with what's there, you won't make the right adjustment. And so I don't know if I want to say much more about flow other than it's this amazing process where we forget ourselves. I say in my book, The Mindful Athlete, you got to forget yourself to find yourself. So when we forget about ourselves and we just do what we're supposed to do, then we find ourselves, that makes any sense. And so the flow of practice, so what does that mean? So that means that the practice we're doing here right now Uh, It has to be, you know, all of a piece. So what we do here, we have to understand that we we need to translate that or transfer that into daily life. So there's no separation. Because a lot of us, like when I first came around, it's like, oh, this is the real work, meditating. And then I jump up and run to my walking space. And between here and there, I have no idea what was there. 'Cause I'm I'm running and I'm not realizing that no dude, that space in between is is where you know, it's the the secret of performance is the continuity of mindfulness. It's a continuity habit. And and you know, it's interesting because um I'm a recovering perfectionist, so I do a lot of study and a lot of stuff and it's in here, it says that this is the refrain. I talked about uh the body. And it says um, mindfulness that there is a body is established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and continuous mindfulness. And he abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. So that means and they talk about walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, keeping silent. He acts clearly knowing. Of course, I could put he, she, and they and that. It, can't, it just doesn't have to just be one. I know the language is kind of old, so I have to kind of adapt it a little bit. But, but that's what it is. So what we're doing here is what I teach all the time. I call it being in the body. So to the degree that you know there's a body and it's in movement and to, to the level of bare awareness and continuity of mindfulness. It's what's possible. And so we've been practicing that. So now when a thought comes, with an image comes or whatever comes, we have this place from which we can observe our experience. And if we can observe it, like I talked about, from this place of wonder, or just letting it speak to us so we can see clearly, and then we'll know what to do. There's something amazing about when we're in, I call it the eye of the hurricane, when we're just in the equanimity and we see things, there's a knowing that's there arises when the mindfulness, but it's this practice of from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep. This is what I do. Um, Mindfulness and wisdom are working together and they're supported by right effort and they're supported by steadiness of mind and concentration and they're supported by faith or trust. Not only that this is a friendly universe, but I got a masterpiece inside here. I got Buddha nature Christ consciousness, kuan yin energy, divine spot, call it whatever you want. <laughs> but we got it. And it means that's why we train the mind. And when we train the mind, we're training the mind to see clearly, but we're, we're transforming the mind. So there can be a mind that's, that's not running towards or away from anything, but can be still and know. And we can collect the, the wisdom we need to understand how we work, how, how things work. So in here we, we give you things. Uh, and, and practices, like today we did compassion. Just, no, it's just a method to our madness. Ryan talked about equanimity. Alexa talked about 1619, you know, this, this wrong views or right views, depending on how you look at it. And we took the precepts, and with the precepts it's abstaining from things so that we can create not only uh, harmony here, but that because it's grounded in right view and right intention, it's easier to be the, to do the right effort and have the right mindfulness and the right concentration. they're all connected, so we keep thinking mindfulness is the, is, the, is the crown it's is, is the heart of it, but without clearly knowing without right effort, which is an effort not only to put the mind in a wholesome mind state but to be able to abandon unwholesome mind states and to have the energy that we are arousing energy so we continue. A continuous application, of balanced energy, and so when we can do that with the right mindfulness, then 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 we're rolling. And then because we have the faith, we make the effort. Because we make the effort, we become mindful. Because we become mindful, we be, we get steadiness of mind. The steadiness of mind, then we then we have wisdom because we start to see that all the conditions are there for wisdom to to arise. But the interesting thing about the five spiritual powers is that mindfulness helps cultivate them, but it also helps balance them. So in daily life, even when we're working, doing it here, if you have too much effort and not enough steadiness of mind, it's going to be frenetic. If you got too much steadiness of mind and not enough effort, you're going to be sluggish. So you balance those, right? you know. So you need those, and you can do that anytime. Anything you do, you can see how's my energy. You know, is this stability or not? Am I here or am I somewhere else? And then when it comes to faith or trust, that's got to be balanced by insight or wisdom. Because if we have too much faith and not enough uh, verification, then we got Pollyanna. <laughs> and if we got too much insight and not enough faith, we, we got cynicism. And so we can balance that. We can do that all, all anytime. We can balance those qualities and, and help them grow. And then they feed each other. And so when we talk about practice and we talk about the threefold training, it's really getting our mind in in a growth mindset so that we start to see this is all about learning. And we can learn if we have the willingness and the honesty to look at at ourselves. But it's an inside job. It's not out there. And so it's interesting because I have all this stuff on here, but there's no way I need to talk about all this. I don't even need these (laughs) notes. I'm like Linus with his blanket. But it's it, but there's but there's a lot we can do and we're doing it here. So now we need to do it there. So from moment to moment, we can just say, uh, you know, you know, how's my mind? Where's my mind? Or is this my mind or is this somebody else's mind? The person sitting next to me, <laughs> you know, you get what I'm saying? So we but then but the thing that's really important and I'm going back to sports again, uh, we have self-talk. You all know what I mean by self-talk It's in the dialogue. I call it the negative committee. Well, I used to call it the negative committee, now it's, now it's positive, but, but that self-talk is telling us what, our, what state our mind is in, because we keep thinking that we know, we know 10%, the other 90% is unconscious, and so a lot of times how we know is by observing our reactions to life, by watching our behavior, watching our tonality, watching our body language, because sometimes we're not honest with, with ourselves. I'll give you an example. When, when I was in, um, first coming around and uh, I was too cool to be stressed. My body would say, I don't know about you dude, but your, your shoulders up by your, your ears, so there's some stress in here. Or I get the migraine headache or the back pain. It was like my barometers. And then I say, okay dude, you got to tone it back because I didn't, do, you know, it's like, um, like Proud Mary. I didn't do anything easy. Everything with the warrior spirit to sit through and, you know, I I was pursuing excellence and wisdom, but there was no grace and ease with that one. But then some one day I woke up and I realized, dude, man, you're making this way too complicated. Easy does it, but do it. Slow motion gets you there quicker. And just just do the next thing. And you can have plans. But if you don't take care now, there's no later. Not the way I want it. So we, so it's it's this idea of understanding what our practice is, and and that we can always use what 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 we're offering you here to help with that. But then there's more to it. But the thing is, for me, and you know I am all over the place. But for me, it's it's simplicity. This is simple. You got a body. Just just be with the body. And sometimes you don't want to be there, especially when it's getting old and sick and weak. I can tell I'm walking around here, I'm saying my core strength is not where it needs to be. I can feel that, so I gotta get busy <laughs> when I go home. You know, I did my yoga today, haven't been doing my Tai Chi, but I can feel it. But me being honest about that, and part of it's because I had injuries and I couldn't work out. But just paying attention and then realizing that for some reason, it's challenging for me to be myself in this role here. So, you know, I'm doing things, but I'm not really myself, but I'm used to, you know, I, there's probably a lot of trauma that comes up sometimes when I'm doing stuff from the past that, that shows up and I can watch it and, and have it be like background music, but it does affect my performance to some degree, but the performance is really, according to this, is commitment to wholesomeness, so I'm performing. Even though it may not be to the level that I have an opinion about, but it's like it's, it's you know, it, a lot of it is, and I say this to my clients all the time, make the next play. What does that mean? That means whatever you're supposed to do, just do that and do that well. Be in the moment, because here's the secret. When we're in the moment and we're flowing, there's nothing wrong. Even in the middle of pain, there's, there's an ease, there's a peace there. And we can drop into that. We have that. We have that ability to drop into that space. But it usually happens when we are not self-conscious, when we forget about ourselves and find ourselves when we're trying to serve. So for me, that's what helps me all the time. I've been trying to write a book for 20 years, and then when I stopped trying to write it, wrote it wrote itself. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I saw how it would be helpful for others. I couldn't write it for me. I had to write it for the, for, to be a service and to help others. I don't know how many of you are wired like that, but if I'm doing it for me, that's kind of, that doesn't have the pull. But when I do it to serve, whoo, there's a pull there. And so, you know, 35 years later, after, after sobriety and doing this practice, and I graduated from high school 50 years ago. I still can't get my head around that one. That's <laughs> a half a century. And I'm still alive, because when, when I was in high school, ooh, I was just a little wild. It was touch and go. I was what you'd call a high-risk youth. So, and I reflect back on it, and what I get is more enthusiasm, more joy, more peace than I ever had. And, and it just kind of popped up on me. I said, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, and I feel good about that compared to where I was, and, and I, I was in the hell realm before. When I was addicted to drugs I had to get high three times a day. And so when I came here it didn't matter who was here I was going to be here. Because I knew this was much better than where I was and I, and I got a taste of, of the dharma. And no one stopped me from getting that. If I had to make my own sin I was going to do that. But I didn't have to. I had this place and the teachers. And, and it's been powerful. So now you can see why I want to give back. I'm not, I'm not feeling a kind of a, a challenged because I'm afraid I'm being challenged because there's so much love and so much I want to give back. So that's where that's coming from. And so I know that if I'm, if I'm aligned with love, I'm going to be all right. I mean, I am all right. I'm a bad mofo. <laughs> yes. And so you're all bad mofos too. You might not know it, but I can see it. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, I, I think I've said a lot. Um, I don't think I need to say more. But, but what I will say is, what I will say is, um, You all are an amazing group. And I'm looking out there and I'm seeing all of the masterpieces, all the Buddha nature. And that we need every one of us. We're going to deal with this stuff out there. But it start here. So when I see this stuff and, you know, the stuff I'm talking about, it just motivates me more to do what I'm doing and to reach as many people as I can. Because this is, the, this is our salvation is being able to know I and the other are one. We can get beyond that illusion of separateness. And when we say, just like me, that person wants to be happy, I don't care who that person is, what color, creed, whatever, that we need to understand that we all are connected. And we shouldn't have to wait until 9-11 or the marathon bombing or the shooting in El Paso before people Forget about all of that stuff. Forget about themselves and run towards the explosion. Run into buildings. Go to give blood. That we, we can get that, and when we get in flow, we can get that a little bit, as well. But but that's the thing, the non the no self thing, kind of makes it complicated. But when we when I look at it as the illusion of separateness, and I learned this in a there's every self centered fear. When it's the, when the self-conscious, then it's all, how am I doing, instead of what am I doing? And so, so we, we, we have this, we have a human life, it's precious. And we have, we have the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, so we have all of these things we can reflect on. But the main thing is to understand that, that we have the freedom and power to choose, it. and we can create space between stimulus and response, and we can ask, we can ask ourselves, the question what do I want and where am I going? Who am I? And who do I need to be? From moment to moment from moment to moment we can ask that question. Am I being who I say I want to be? Am I going where I say I want to go? And when I'm not we can do something about it. But there has to be that that immediate feedback and then the adjustment and then we'll find that our life is flowing and things are flowing and so to me it's it's crazy because I intend then I allow. If I try to make something happen it's a problem and so I know I just need to intend and then just just be diligent and and to keep changing my mind making sure my mind is, is, is in a proper state It's wholesome because if my mind is wholesome, my thoughts are going to be wholesome. My words are going to be wholesome. My actions are going to be wholesome. My habits are going to be wholesome. My values are going to be wholesome. And so that's it. And and the thing about these principles is they don't change. Principles don't change. They're universal and they're self-evident. So principles like love and kindness. Appreciative joy, compassion, wisdom. They don't change. They might manifest differently, but those principles, they're tried and true, true north. And so how simple is that? Just align with one of those and we're all right. And then we can feel our Buddha nature. But if we're aligned with the unwholesome, then there's something else. So that's where we are. And um I don't know if I need to say any more than that. So um flow and you'll go. <laughs> so your life is your practice. So what you're doing here is setting up when you go home. So just because you go home don't mean you you don't have to stay in that you won't be in the same level of of concentration, but the basic stuff like you know like being in your body, and you know, am I, you know, is my mind wholesome or not? And you know, we can go into the how, how, to, how to abandon and how to prevent. It. But to me, it's as simple as how do we have a wholesome mindset, arouse it, and then maintain it and perfect it. So I'm learning a shortcut instead of going through all four, just do the one and two, the, 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 the three and four. Really good. We know the unwholesome, right? We know that real well, right? So just focus on, you know, as a shortcut. Because if you have mindfulness, uh, then it's going to be hard for those other unwholesome qualities to rise. And I'll I'll end with this. Uh, One of the things that's really helpful is understanding whether you're in, so I have this glass of, assume it's half half full or half empty. Your interpretation determines whether you're going to be in survival mode or growth mode. And if you're in survival mode, you're in this mode. You're closed down, and your and your reptilian brain is taking over. That's fight, flight, freeze. If you're in, a, if you see it as being um, half full, then you're in survival mode, and then you say, "Okay, there's 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 something here. I just have to be still and know I have to pay attention, but it's there." And if I if I change my mind to a wholesome mind state, I'm probably going to see what I need to see. So that's it. Uh, you're in growth mode because, um, according to this cell um, biologist, his name is Lifton. He wrote a book called um, "Was Something About the um, Biology of Belief." You, uh, on a cellular level, we cannot be in growth mode and survival mode at the same time. So it's either or, almost like binary, like a computer, right? But it's either in growth mode or survival mode. And so we gotta get that one. If we're in survival mode, then how do we abandon that? Or how do we learn from it? How do we get in survival mode? And how do we get out? And then how do we stay in growth mode? Now, of course, because of impermanence, we can't stay in it, but if we know when we're in one or the other, it's gonna be helpful. So I'm pretty sure I gave you a lot to think about, so. I think, um, thank you. Oh, no, no, I got it, I got it, I got it. So can we just sit for a minute and then I guess we can go into the next thing. So actually, while we're sitting, there's a couple of things I want to read that would be helpful. Uh, people. I want to read the wonder thing again. But I have, maybe I'll start off with Ajahn Chah. He says, try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become still in any surroundings, like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful rare animals will come to drink at the pool, and you will clearly see the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. And then this is from, we'll have a little pause there. I think that's probably enough. Thank you for listening.